0: Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go to Big Ten football podcast brought to you by the Amador Whiskey Company. I'm your co host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined on Wednesdays by.
1: This is Dustin Schutte.
0: Dustin, are you on Twitter? Nope. I am on Twitter. I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening and downloading the podcast. We've got a little bit pared down games this week. I'm pretty excited. It's got a little bit of mix of out of conference, heavy on in conference. I kind of like it when it's a uh, one or two teams idle, one or two teams playing out of conference, and then the rest big on big. I don't know about you.
1: I like the full Big Ten slate. I'm not gonna lie. Like I like when it's all seventeen or all fourteen teams, seven games. Uh, it's all Big Ten football because I. I do like some of the big non-conference games and we can reflect on some of that later, but like Michigan state, Washington was awesome. Purdue Syracuse, obviously the result was meh, but it was an awesome football game. So I do like that, but uh, I'm I'm not a huge fan of some of these still, we've still got some of these uh, FCS or lower level, lower level teams on the schedule. So I'm I'm happy when we get out of that territory.
0: I'm with you there. I mean, I guess the right mix would be everything's against a higher leveled group of five team and and power five on power five. So I'm with you there. Speaking of one game you just mentioned here, Syracuse, Purdue, I had been looking and looking. So it did go on Scott Van Pelt's bad beats. Okay. With anybody that had the under bet in that game to be 10 to nine, I believe it was going into the fourth quarter or right at the end of the third quarter uh, some people got that at 59. That that's a that is a lock oh. for an under. And it went over by like a point and a half or two points, depending on where you got it. So they did, as usual, a great do- great job breaking down just how painful that would have been for anybody that bet the under in that game.
1: That is why I uh, I stare clear of those betting sites because I'd have probably broken some things in my house had I bet the under on that. But I, I cannot imagine like that, like you said, 19 points. So that means they scored what, 40-some 40, 40 points then in the fourth quarter?
0: Yeah, it was – you're you're right. I was like 30, 33, 34 points in the fourth quarter to go over. Well, on a game that had no offense. No offense. <laughs> it just exploded. You know what it reminds me of? I'm not going to be able to do a good job explaining this, and I don't know how good of a fan of Family Guy you are, yes. but uh, you know how they do the cutaways. And yeah. – uh, and, and, Peter's like, yeah, it's like that time I I I uh, took a um uh, I started betting on college football, and the cutaway is him watching walking into a sport book, and the guy's like, "Do you have a bet you'd like to place?" And he takes out a hundred dollars and he just lays it on the table. and Goes, "Nope, you just keep that," <laughs> <It's> just... <laughs> and that's it. That's the cutaway. I've got it literally saved on my DVR just because of that one right there. But anyway, oh, that's, that's great. great. Um, all right. So that's fun stuff there. The one thing, I don't know, this isn't a full rant, but it's more an observation, uh, with the first 25% of the college football season. I mean, for most teams, they are 25% over very sad, very sad when we're, we're already a quarter past, uh, you know, uh, for where the games are at. But uh, basically my point that I wanted to make is, is coaching matters. Um, anybody that's listened to the podcast knows that, um, not that I am against recruiting, you know, I want, I want my favorite football team to, to, to recruit. Well, I understand it's the lifeblood of any college football program. Um, But I feel like people just think if you just recruit, well, you just plug in, you know, a a higher amount of four-star players than you used to, you just start winning. It's not that simple. The other side of it is, you know, coaching matters. And the two examples Uh, One coach that you did a great job of pointing out last week, Kalen DeBoer at Washington and the job that Lance Leopold is doing at Kansas. I mean, these are programs that were just, you know, I mean, Kansas is, was as low as can be. And Washington certainly a proud football program, but had hit some really Rocky times. They get the right coach in there. Boom. Those guys are making themselves money. And I would venture that they're making other potential good coaches money yes. because programs see what these two guys can do. And they're like, hey, I want some of that.
1: Yeah. Well, And the thing that always impresses me, I'm going to try to make two points here. Number one is look at where Iowa and Wisconsin consistently are usually in the top 25 where they finish their records and look at where that compares to the recruiting rankings. They're not typically they're not terrible. They're not in the 50s, but they're usually not top 20. I mean, there might be a year here or there where they crack that, but it's usually like what, between probably 25 and maybe top 40. I would say that's pretty consistent. So, and for those two teams to get like, that to me is evidence that coaching matters to get those teams consistently in the, uh, in the top 25. And then Iowa's been to the big 10 championship game twice. I mean, Wisconsin has taken up second residence basically at Lucas oil stadium uh, since, since the split in divisions. The other thing that I never understand with that is if if recruiting is so important and who are the teams that get a lot of the really high five-star, four-star recruits are in the SEC. I don't think we can deny that, right? Right. Um, Then there are some terrible coaches in the SEC that are getting way overpaid. That is a fantastic point.
0: With coaching matters would be another one. You actually led me in perfect. I mean, I don't know how every single Texas A&M fan is feeling right now, but I bet they feel pretty painted into the quarter right now.
1: <laughs> I would think so. I, I did, like, it doesn't make any sense to me how bad Jimbo, unless he's like just trying to get that buyout at this point. <laughs> yeah. Like I, It doesn't make any sense how he's that bad. Like um, yeah. He's not terrible. But when you look at, the, when you look at the, the recruiting he's brought in, and with some of the teams that they've had, I don't understand how he's, I don't think he's won 10 games there, has he, in the season? I, I could be wrong on that.
0: No, he has almost positive. He hasn't. And I mean, I, the amount of times Texas a and has ever won 10 games is really low. Yes. It's not as, as dominant or great of a college football tradition as maybe some people think, but that's a, that is a perfect example. I didn't even think about the SEC slant, you know, with the recruits they have. And, and it's not just because they beat up on each other so much. I mean, we've seen some SEC teams lose outright recently or look pretty crappy against what should be inferior yeah. opponents. So I think it's a great point.
1: Well, and I, just to give you another example, and I'm going to throw your team a little bit under the bus here, but I went to the Florida Kentucky game and there are a bunch of four-star guys. I don't know where their recruiting rankings were, but there were a bunch of four-star guys on that Florida roster. That offense might, it's, it's maybe, maybe a little bit better, but it's comparable to Iowa. Ooh. It, like strong, it was bad. Strong words. It, strong words. it was it was really bad from what I saw, because I don't think Kentucky's defense is that good. The point is, Billy Napier's in his first year, so he's got to do some culture rebuilding. But if it was simply based on the talent, that alone would lead you to believe that Florida would be – they are in the top 25. They should not be. They're not a good football team. That would lead you to believe that they would be in the hunt for the SEC, and I can they are going to be a 5-7 and seven team, I'm telling you. And Iowa – is going to probably figure out a way to, with a terrible offense, at least get to a bowl game,
0: right? I hope. I, I would I'm, think. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not supremely confident, but I. I hope. Yeah. I mean. I guess I would say for for the Iowa coaching example, look at how great the defense and special teams has been. Yep. Look at how mediocre to bad the the uh, uh, offense has been. The players have all changed, right? The coaches yep. have stayed the same. It has that team takes on the personality of the coaches, which is what I would also say about Purdue and Jeff Brom. Yep. Volatile, hot runs hot and cold. Am it's I a great? Jeff Brom or Purdue? Am I, you know, like yes. they're the same thing? Eh, maybe Maryland with Locks, you know, you know, snippets of good stuff, but a little sloppy at times. I don't know. Like right. I, I just feel like if Locks left Maryland or if or if Brom left Purdue and went someplace else. Very quickly, those other programs would start to look a lot like what Purdue and Maryland does right now.
1: Here's another really good example. Look at the difference the last two years between Northwestern's defense with Hankwitz, post Hankwitz, yeah, two completely different units. So, and the, the recruiting hasn't changed. The recruiting's pretty consistent at Northwestern. They, there's like a, there's like a five a five ranking uh, level that they that they. Consistently land in, and that hasn't changed. so it I would even venture to say it's gotten a little bit better, yep, in those last couple of years. And yep. the defense is way worse than anything I saw in the last, I don't know, decade or so, thirteen years, however long he was there. So well,
0: hopefully none of our uh, frustrated Northwestern fans just broke their neck nodding as you were talking about that because <laughs> I think that's that's possible. Okay, We'll move on to the games. Thanks for humoring me with that little topic. It was just something I thought of this week. All right, so we got, as we mentioned, nine games. The Huskers are on a much-needed idle week, the only Big Ten team that's not playing. We got one game on Thursday. We got two early games on Saturday, two in the afternoon and four at night. I think we could have moved one or two of those night games into the afternoon or morning, yeah. but maybe that's just me. So first up, tomorrow night, Thursday, the 22nd, the 3-0 O. Chattanooga mocks at the two and one Illinois fighting Illini. This is a seven o'clock PM game on BTN line, no line. This is an FCS uh game. Now, of course we got a rivalry game here. All right. DS the mocks <laughs> are looking for yep. some payback after Illinois came all the way behind in the NCAA tournament to beat them. So, you know, they got revenge on the mind when they come into Champaign.
1: I gotta, I gotta be honest. I gotta give you a shout out there because I did not, I did not put that together when I saw that on the schedule. So uh, kudos to you for remembering that I would have, you could have given me a hundred tries to say why this game is relevant. I probably would not have come up with it. Got to have some fun.
0: I got to do the stat. I got to do the fun digging because that's usually Kurt's job. So I feel like I got to get at
1: least one, a podcast. So, well, that that was a good one. Uh, And I just want to say this has nothing to do with the game itself. But can we talk about just real quick? I love the the makeup of the Illinois schedule so far. Week zero, you play an uh, you play a Group of Five team, a bad Group of Five team. Uh,
0: Week two, they Wyoming has ripped off three wins since losing to Illinois. That is have they? Wow, well, I haven't fa- <laughs> I've not followed
1: Wyoming at all. All right, yep, so yep. all right, you schedule a Group of Five team. We'll leave it at that. Then you have the Big Ten. You can't really help that. That's on a Friday night. Then you play Virginia. Take a bye week, play on a Thursday against an FCS team, and then you play. You have extra time to then prepare for Wisconsin. So in a way, instead of just having that uh, extra week to prepare for Chattanooga, they get two weeks extra preparation for Chattanooga and extra preparation and rest for Wisconsin. I don't know if that's Beatles doing. I don't know if that's uh, Josh Whitman. If that's Josh Whitman's doing, I don't know how that all worked out, but. I looked at that and I, it just registered with me. Like, I love the makeup of that schedule.
0: I tell you what, something magical is happening because even big Kurt is happy how the schedule is looking out and how things are. So, so something big is happening. Uh, hopefully nothing big happens Thursday night. I mean, the mocks right around a top 10 FCS team, they're three and O. They got a quarterback that is pretty good. You know, he's a, he's a experienced quarterback. He can beat you. Certainly he wants to do it with his arms, uh, But he's pretty good with his legs. So to me, the thing that's interesting about this is, you know, obviously you want to get the win, okay? Um, I did see a potential line, which was around, like, 17-18 for this game is where they set it at. You want to get the win, but, man, like, Illinois th- – I think Illinois is thin. I think that is the worst thing I can say about this football team. And me and you have talked about how Chase Brown – you know, it was all. I mean, he, it seems like he gets every carry in the game. I was actually surprised. I looked it up. He's averaging 25 carries a game. That That's a lot. Don't get me wrong. It seems like more than that when you watch the games. But long story short, there's two huge goals for Illinois. Get the win. Get healthy. Get out of there.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I don't want to see Chase Brown run the ball too much. But with Josh McCray, it seems like he's still going to be sidelined. I don't know where you go. Uh, hopefully, you, you'd like to see, based on what we've seen through Illinois through the first couple games, I think that they can maybe not impose their will. I don't think Chattanooga's that bad of a football team where they'll be able to impose it, but I think they'll probably look like a Big Ten team should in this kind of game. So I I, I don't really have anything else to add other than I just didn't want to see Chase Brown get too many touches because at this point in the season, you got the Big Ten season ahead of you. As you said, you want to get the win, but you don't want to wear him down for the brunt of your schedule, which is coming up.
0: Yep. I'm with you there. Um, We're basically saying the same thing, but in the end I've got so much faith in this rushing attack. I've got so much faith in Troy Walters, not a blowout right from the get-go. Illinois just pulls away with it because they're simply the better team. I've got Illinois 34, the Mox 13.
1: Uh, very similar. I've got Illinois 37, Chattanooga 17.
0: All right. We're, we're already off to a hot start, DS. There we go. All right. we usually, you know what's been interesting? We usually got one or two. We're just completely yes. different. That's what kind of makes it fun. All right, moving through Friday into Saturday the 24th. First game up. Hey, why not? 3-0 and Maryland Terrapins coming into the big house to take on the 3-0 and number four ranked Michigan Wolverines. This is the big noon game on Fox. Line Michigan by 16 and a hook. Over under 65.5, so Vegas is saying something like 40 to
1: 23, a lot of points on the board. What are we looking at here, DS? All right, I did my big, Kurt, deep dive for this one because, you, as you know, I'm still not sold on Maryland, even though they won last week, still not sold on the defense. So, in Mike Loxley's time at Maryland, the Terps have played nine Big Ten opponents ranked in the top 25. They have given up. First of all, they're 0-9 in those games. Six times they have given up 50 points or more. Their average margin of defeat in those games are, is 39.2 points per game, or an average score of about 52 to 13. And the only thing that came to my head was, you know that video of, like, I don't know if they're, like, doing karate or what it is, but the guy just keeps getting hit in the nuts repeatedly. Like, that is, that is Maryland against big 10 top 25 teams
0: yeah that's a great Jeff um wow you know if if you would have said how do you think the stats and the record would look for Maryland in this last nine games I would have said one and eight or oh and nine I would not have thought the points for or points against was that bad though that is I mean, that's Iowa. Iowa was one of the teams that scored 50 points yes. in one of those matchups. That's that's how you know things have fallen apart. Um, wow, that's bad. I mean, and, and I tell you what, nobody knows that more than Loxley, than Maryland football fans. I mean, there's nothing more that they would like than to make a big splash on national TV. Like I said, the big yeah. noon game. Um, If locks is going to get this football program to go into the upper echelon, he's got to get one of these wins versus one of these big, big boys. Um, I'm not saying on the road uh, at Michigan is the perfect time to get it, but, you know, he's got a good team. You know, this is a good football team. So this would be one of the better chances to get something done
1: can I agree and disagree because I agree that at some point he's got to win one of these games. But I also think on that stage, considering how bad they've been, I feel like as long as you're, if you can be competitive in that game, you're going to leave Ann Arbor with people saying Maryland is a lot better than what we thought they were, or you, they are a lot better than they have been in in years
0: past. You literally just took the next notes right out dead on. Like I have down play a clean game. Yeah. limit the big plays show out well and and that can help the program like like but that's how you show out well is by limiting the big plays I want to say that again and playing clean um they they, they have been a multi-penalized team to start the year so start there just just play clean keep guys in front of you and then do what you do on offense you'll do some stuff on offense because that's what Loxley coach teams do
1: and what I'm really interested to, from like a, from, from the scheming and, and X's and O's standpoint, I'm really interested to see because the mix Michigan secondary um, opponents are only completing 44% of their passes. And, and I know that they have played dung heap the first three games. I understand that, but that's still to me in this era of college football, where everybody's throwing the ball all over the field. I think that's impressive. I, I just want to see what they can do because Maryland's got four receivers at over hundred yards so far. Um, I'm really. This is going to be the first time those those uh, Michigan defensive backs are tested. So that's the one matchup I'm kind of keeping an eye on because I think I I just think Michigan's offense is going to be able to steamroll Maryland uh, defensively. I still don't think it's as good as we thought, and I so I think it's going to have to be a shootout if Maryland wants to win this game or be competitive in this game.
0: I don't think there's any doubt about that. If if this game is under, that's bad news for Maryland because that means Michigan got up and shut her down. Uh, Just can't see, you know, a lower scoring game going for Maryland. A couple words on Michigan is, you know, I know they've played a bunch of nothing. Um, I don't think uh, it's all their fault. You know, I think uh, uh, because I think it's the first time since like 1961, they haven't played a power five team out of conference. Um, But like with that being said, again, you know, and I've said the same thing for Minnesota, you you don't look that good. Without being good, okay, like right, they right. and it's Michigan. We just saw him go, you know, uh, uh, 12 and one last year, okay? So it's not like we don't have reason to believe that they're already good to begin with. I think there you could make an argument that JJ McCarthy, not having to worry about Cade McNamara over shoulder, he might play even loose and and better. I mean, one of the yeah. main reasons you turn into this game is to watch JJ. McCarthy. So, um and but oh by the way, the Michigan defense has looked great. Blake Corum in the rushing attack looks amazing just like they did last year. They got receivers for days. There's a lot to like about Michigan. Uh anyways, I'll I'll let you go first. What do you what do you think the score will be?
1: Yeah, so I've got another blowout. Uh, Maryland giving up 50 points again. I'm going Michigan 51, Maryland 17. So that is a comfortable Michigan cover and at 68 points, that is an over.
0: Yeah, we're not too far off either. I've got Michigan 48, Maryland 24 at 72 points. That's quite a bit over. And with that 16.5 cover, I think that's an easy, and that's my Amador double barrel lock of the week. All right, next up, staying in the early times, one and two, Central Michigan Chippewas at the 3-0 oh. Number 12 ranked 14. I might have that wrong. I think I might have forgot to uh, update that Penn state Nittany lines. Either way. I think they're underrated. I just like to say that I think they should be in the top 10. I don't think anybody's got two better wins than Purdue on the road and Auburn on the road, but that's, that's just me. This is an 11 uh, o'clock AM game on BTN line Penn state by 28 over under 63. So Vegas is saying Penn state 44 to 17. What are you looking for here?
1: First of all, another shout-out to you for calling Nick Singleton's breakout game. You did it on the pod last week, so I, I wasn't quite the believer. I thought he would have maybe some trouble, but he, he – I mean, he had no trouble whatsoever against Auburn. Uh, that was, that was really impressive. Yeah. Uh, the thing I also took away, and I want to see again this week is, is – and we talked about this at length – Sean Clifford didn't have a Sean Clifford game. I mean, he didn't play great, but if you're not turning the football over and Penn State's able to run – they're going to be able to win a lot of football games. Absolutely.
0: And and, and it's his second year. I mean, we've heard it all. His second year under the same offense coordinator. Finally, along with that, he's got more help around him in the rushing attack and a little bit with the offensive line. The other thing I would say is over the first three games, Sean Clifford's had one bad play. And it was awful in the Purdue game. But other than that, he has looked really, really clean like you would hope a, you know, senior, super senior type of
1: quarterback would look. You know what is funny? I think he's played, I, I mean, you just said, he's played really well this season, but it's because it's what we expect that we're almost shocked when he doesn't have that, that brain you. fart. Like it's, it, it almost has nothing to do with the play on the field. Like, um, so to me, this game is, is similar to Illinois, right? It's, it's run the football, do what you have to do through the air stay healthy, get your win, and then start looking ahead to Big Ten play. I really don't have any other notes other than that because I don't think Central Michigan's a very good football team, so Penn State should be able to roll in this one. Go ahead. I've got uh, Penn State 45, Central Michigan 14, so that's a Penn State cover, and at 59, that is an under.
0: Yeah, we're doing it again. I've got Penn State 42, Central Michigan 13. Uh, I think it'll just be a get up, yawner. Like, this is the type of part of the year where even the G5 teams are like, eh, I'm over trying to beat yeah. these P5 teams. So is Penn State. Like, I feel like I can feel this on 11 o'clock a.m. I almost made this under my lock of the week, but I really, I really like the under in this game.
1: I did, too. I guess the only other thing I did have that I, I skipped over was I think that the first quarter, Penn State will have a little bit of a hangover of that Auburn win. So it, they might struggle, but then the last 45 minutes, they'll be just fine.
0: All right. Moving into the afternoon, the 3-0 and Indiana Hoosiers at the 2-1 and Cincinnati Bearcats. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on ESPN Dos Line Cats by half over under 57 so vegas is saying something like 37 to 20.
1: so this is a battle of teams that don't like to play in the first half is what i've discovered watching indiana play the first three games and watching uh cincinnati in a couple games indiana scored 58 of their 68 points in the last two games in the second half and cincinnati has scored 80 of their 125 points in the second half so to me this is about getting off to a hot start. The Hoosiers I, I don't I don't can't speak for Cincinnati because I haven't watched them as closely, but Indiana has looked horrendous in the first half of games and to their credit to Tom Allen and that staff's credit, halftime coming out of the, they're making adjustments, they're getting wins, they're 3 and 0. But as the competition starts to heat up, you have to start faster. I want them to come out of the gate guns blazing because if you, if you're, if you're even with Cincinnati, I don't think you have a great chance to win that game. I think if you get out to a lead because of how good Cincinnati is in the second half, you at least give yourself a chance. But if this game is even or Cincinnati has a lead at halftime, I don't think there's any shot.
0: Yeah. I mean, I always, I always cringe when I say any shot, you know, especially when you got, you know, a big 10 team versus a group of five team with that being said, I know what you mean. I know, I mean, I know what you're looking at, and, and the part that makes me nervous. Hoosiers, total defense. They're giving up 441 yards, 116th yeah. rush, giving up 186 rushing yards, pass, not quite as bad. 93rd. Whew. This is a struggling defense. I mean, when we heard Tommy Allen was taking over the defense, I I wasn't expecting the numbers to look like this. I can pretty much guarantee you that he wasn't either. In come the Bearcats. Uh people don't know him. Quarterback Ben Bryant, not a runner. Okay. You're you're not no. going to see him run outside the pocket at all. Negative 51 yards rushing. But as a team, they're rushing the ball very well. He himself, 863 yards, seven touchdowns, two. Like he's looking like how Luke Fickle likes his efficient, intelligent, you know, signal caller. He obviously had a great one the last three or four years. I'll tell you what, this just looks like a Cincinnati Luke fickle coach team. One again, I mean, just to fit under the coaching theme of the day, it, it looks like Cincinnati again.
1: Yeah, it does. And and I think the, the thing that's going to present the most trouble to that Indiana defense, even though Penn Bryan is not multi dimensional, he's completing 70% of his passes. Um, and I know they have not outside of that Arkansas game, they haven't really played great competition, but, Indiana's defense has a lot of holes, uh, and I think that he's going to be able to pick that secondary apart. So Indiana's secondary, guys like Taiwan Mullen, Jalen Williams, those guys are going to have to step up in this game, and then can you get pressure on the quarterback? Because if they're able to do that, Dayson De- McCullough, by the way, the freshman, has been incredible at the linebacker position, but he needs a little bit of help. Uh, maybe maybe that's Cam Jones. Maybe, that's, maybe Demarcus Elliott finally takes a step up. I haven't seen anybody really on that defensive line play great football yet. And I think if if they can get pressure on Ben Bryant, they're going to give themselves a great chance, but I just, I haven't seen it through three games. So I don't know what really is going to change heading into Cincinnati.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, you, you did a great job of bringing up the fact that there are names that even, you know, somewhat casual big 10 fans can recognize on this defense For whatever reason, it has just been struggle boss uh, right from the get-go. Unfortunately, I don't see that changing this weekend. Not so much of a blowout, just a this is the better team as it goes on. So I've got Cincinnati 35, Indiana 17 at 52 points. I have that an under. If there's any uh, Bearcats, uh, I would say Luke Fickle. Cut the head off, Tommy, when you get a chance, okay? Because if you keep him, <laughs> if you keep the yep. snake it, it lingering around, he will snap, he will get you in the fourth quarter. So put this thing away and, and get out of there.
1: We are very similar again. I've got Cincinnati 34. I'm going to give Indiana an extra touchdown. I've got Indiana at 24. So that's an Indiana cover, and at 58, that's an ever-so-slight over.
0: Okay, we're quite a bit different there. Similar but quite a bit different. The Eyes on Big Podcast is sponsored by the Amador Whiskey Company. Our unique process takes the highest quality Kentucky bourbon and finishes in California wine barrels. This double barrel aging technique creates unique characteristics in each barrel that produce one-of-a-kind whiskeys. Amador is made to be sipped neat or is perfect in classic bourbon cocktails, just like your... Go-to Big Ten football podcast, Amador is the go-to whiskey this football season. Don't forget to hashtag Ask for Amador and check out our new website and finder options so you can see where Amador is at near you at www.amadorwhiskeyco.com. Amador Whiskey, born in Kentucky, raised in California, moving on into the evening the two and one Iowa Hawkeyes visiting the three and zero Rutgers Scarlet Knights. This is a six o'clock p.m. game. Yuck on FS1 line. Hawks by seven and a half over under 34.5. I needed it to get a point <laughs> under that so we could hit the all time low of 33 and a half. Nobody has eclipsed. The, the under 34, maybe we got to start putting into some of that big money years DS on the under so we yeah. can get this thing to
1: go under. I, I understand that they got to get people to bet on both sides, but it's still, that seems high to me. 30, that nobody's <laughs> like a, like a service Academy game has never gotten to 29 and a half or something. I hear you I there.
0: <laughs> it, it, it seems high that that's the lowest and it seems high it, for this game. Uh, by the way, Vegas is saying 20 to 13 Hawks somewhere around there. Rutgers with 19 straight home Big Ten losses coming into this game. So, I'll tell you one thing. I would think the Hawkeye faithful and, and team and coaches, uh, that's something that's been made aware of them. You don't want to be the one that breaks the – you don't want to be the slump buster, okay, as, right. as I guess what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, everybody pretty much sees the same game here, low scoring, you know, field position, any, any anything you can see that would show that
1: that's not the case. No, nope. I mean, got- give me that. give me the Dustin. Nope. <laughs> nope. Nope. Uh, I mean, this is the game between, I would honestly, if we could see just Adam Corsak and Tori, Tory Taylor just punt the entire game. I'm I'll sign up for that all afternoon long. Like that's going to be incredible. But- so we're not
0: even, we're, we're not even messing around. Let's just get right into the punting. I mean, so funny thing is, uh, I invited Kurt on. I was going to invite him on just for this segment so he could talk about punting. he could not make it work, but we debated and said, is this the greatest punter showdown? Not only in the history of the big 10, but in the history of college
1: football. I can't think of another great punting showdown. Right. That... <laughs> I don't know. Like, it would definitely have to have been in the Big Ten, but I don't know. I don't – well, you know what? Actually, didn't they play just a few years ago, and it was a really good – it was a big-time punting show. To, or Adam yes. Korsak played really well. And the Iowa fans were livid that he didn't get special teams player of the week nationally. Yes. What was that, 17, 18 maybe? I don't uh, remember two, that was two
0: thousand. That was 2019.
1: 19, um,
0: okay. Yeah, and the, and the funny thing is, shout-out to uh, Aaron Brightman, uh, with the Scarlet faithful podcast. Um, I went, I was a guest on his show, uh, last night and we talked about that, you know, how it's, it's resonated with, I think, to a certain degree with Rutgers fans that Iowa fans were so ticked that he didn't win national player of the week that week because he was a freaking magician and he's still doing the same stuff. Um, uh, LeVar Woods, great special teams coach for Iowa said, you know, I've watched this guy uh, he's one of, you know, the greatest to ever do it. So he, that's what he's saying about him. And I think Hawkeye fans feel the same way with Tory Taylor. I mean, the stats, Adam Korsak, 12 punts, 505 yards, 42.08 yard average. That's actually low for him. Uh, I mean, he's barely even trying. I mean, Tory Taylor's got 23 punts. I mean, if you want to take your craft seriously, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Over at th- one uh, 1,110 yards, a 48.26 yard average and and the
1: thing is is like the punting it it will play huge into who wins this game i was just gonna say we need to have uh some sort of prop bet on the over under of field position average for this game well
0: that is one way to that is one way to do it that that's really good the other thing i was just gonna say is the number of punts like oh yeah 15 16 i would think that's right around where it would get set that's that's just that did a, that was a very brief research I did earlier but lots of punts lots of punts a lot of booming punts a lot of punts inside the 10 that's pretty much what we're going to be expecting
1: so we'll I'll disappoint our uh the listeners here and, and shift over away from punting unfortunately um okay so <laughs> a couple things uh I'm looking for in this game uh to me Iowa did they find something having Nico Reganey and Keegan Johnson back on the field because Spencer Petras last week, 14 of 26, 175 yards. Not great, but that is going to win a lot of games with that defense and special teams. I think we all can we all can understand that. So if he can, if those two guys make that much of a difference, where you get some more guys that defense has to honor, and he's able to, it's able to open up more passing routes. I think that that's that's obviously a good thing. Um, and then Rutgers, man, they are just. And this is the game that scares me if I'm a Hawkeye fan, because in their first three games, Rutgers has found a way to churn out two wins over, uh, Boston college and temple, not great competition, but winning those close games. We've seen it before. We saw it in Minnesota, 2019, Indiana, this year, winning those games that way matters. It gives them a bunch of confidence heading into this one. I would think.
0: Yeah. It's the recipe. She, it has, has, I mean, that's his deal, you know, that's how he does it. Um, so, so, and the fact that you mix it in with a night game and it's a night game that Rutgers is going into at three and O looking at how much Iowa struggled, struggling. They're like, we can get this. We can, this yeah. is a, a team that we can go get. So they go into it with more confidence that they would going in quite honestly, versus a, you know, Penn state, Michigan, something like that. I mean, so that's something to look out for. So I would say, you know, the start of this game is big if somebody jumps out to a huge six to nothing lead, you know, that you can't come back from, <laughs> you know, like, like that is the stuff you got to look for. And then uh, like Aaron pointed out on, on the, on the podcast that I was on with him, uh, maybe something crazy, special teams, something, yeah. you know um, if you look at the games that Shiano has pulled out, it's because they, they force turnovers, but what does Iowa, you know, do a good job of doing yeah. as well, forcing turnovers, both head coaches, I can assure you, are harping over and over again that you know the ball is going to be the most important thing in this game. I don't see either team being super aggressive, you know, uh no. in, in the game plan. Um I think Iowa found enough like you kind of alluded to that they'll have a little bit better offense. I always have to I always have to make sure I validate this. I'm not saying good. I'm not saying great for sure. I'm just saying around <laughs> like, average, you know. Like I think there's Caleb Johnson the freshman running back looked really good last week. A mixture of wide receivers that are actually on scholarship and know the offense makes a big difference, you know? Right. Um, and, and then I, I mean, I just got it. I mean, I got a ton of faith on Iowa's defense, Lucas Van Ness. I mean, Cooper DeGene is making a running for that big 10 defensive back of the year. It might be way premature, but he looks incredible. Everybody knows Riley Moss. Terry Roberts is another guy that I would throw out. I mean, he's amazing. So going against a Rutgers offense that, I mean, we've got issues at quarterback. Uh, Gavin Wimsett limped off the field last week versus Temple. They still don't think Noah Vedrill is back. We got one scholarship quarterback in Evan Simon that I, I think is fair to say that Rutgers fans aren't exactly, you know, in love with. So everything is on that Rutgers rushing attack to get going. And it's hard for me to see how that gets going against an Iowa, this Iowa defense.
1: And what's going to be interesting to me is I I think Greg Shiano knows that. And I don't know that Evan Simon can stretch the field against Iowa's defense, but I think Shiano knows he's going to have to take some shots. So it's going to be interesting to see, to me, to see what they, um, what their offensive game plan is, because this game just in every facet really intrigues me. Um, So with that said uh, I have Iowa 20 Rutgers 18 I'm committing a betting sin here with a 38 and that's an over and on top of that that would be my the over is my Amador double barrel lock of the week
0: wow this is my surprise face that's not where I thought you were gonna go with this okay um me and you have been off on one one about two picks each time. And if you notice, I've got to win and you've got to win. That's pretty much how it goes. Like you've been writing about a game. I've been right about a game. Yeah. I hope you're wrong about this one. Cause we're not on the same page. I've, I've gotten, I don't know if this is a bad thing or not, but I've gotten somewhat confident on how Iowa's was going to look in this game. So I've got Iowa 20 Rutgers six. So I've got Iowa covering and at 26, I'm, I'm still under that 34. And a half. I guess we'll see how that one goes. All right, more games in the evening. This is the one and two Miami Ohio Redhawks at the one and two Northwestern Wildcats. Six thirty p.m. game on BTN. Go figure. Cats by seven over under fifty. So Vegas is saying twenty eight to twenty one versus the Miami of Ohio Redhawks.
1: The first note I have is I'm starting to – and this, Kurt may not let me be on this podcast again because I'm, I, I'm starting to believe Northwestern is not a good football team. Um, it, Southern Illinois was not a good FCS team. It wasn't like South Dakota State. It wasn't like – I think even North Dakota when they played Nebraska is a solid FCS. Like Southern Illinois was 0-2 in that game, and I think they didn't play well at, in those first two games. So I'm really concerned about Northwestern's defense. I think they've got a lot of holes. Um, They're 12th or worse in the Big Ten in every defensive statistical category. That That is is not Fitzlike.
0: No, it's not Fitzlike. And, I mean, Indiana, Nebraska, and Northwestern are – they're the three worst defenses, and they've actually separated themselves quite a bit from from anybody else around them. Yeah, I mean, giving up 142 yards rushing a game, 285 yards passing a game, which is – Maybe the most surprising thing, we like their defensive backs coming in to the season. Uh, Wildcat fans are, are not happy. I mean, right now after you lose to the Salukis, an Egyptian dog, Dustin, I I, I certainly did not <laughs> I didn't not know that. I didn't Dustin, know that either. <laughs> Kurt That's fantastic. I should have laughed more when he said it. Um, I mean, literally, it's been Evan Hall, a, a decent pass here and there from Holinsky. Everything else is is bad. It, it, it is looking yeah. bad right now. They're not even playing clean football either. Um, maybe this is just a, I can't get rid of it. Pick. I just refuse to believe that Fitzy's going to go down without a fight. So I've got Northwestern 28, Miami of Ohio 27. So at 55 points, that's over the total, um, a somewhat, it'll be a a uh, fun, ugly game. That's what I think it'll be. It'll be an ugly, fun game for anybody that tunes in. I'm, I'm going to keep some faith with Fitzy for one more week.
1: By the way, uh, we talk about uh, Chase Brown getting a lot of touches at Illinois. Evan holds on pace to have over a thousand rushing and receiving yards as it stands right now. He's got over 300 in both categories. Uh, Miami played both Kentucky and Cincinnati tough. They've got a wide receiver with with a name Mac Hippenhammer, which is a great football name in my opinion. Um I don't think Northwestern is going to be able to move the ball very well on this Miami defense. I think Miami is better uh than we expect and so I have Miami 28, Northwestern 24, so that's <laughs> Miami an outright win and a cover and at 52 it's an over. Wow.
0: Okay. Um I'm not saying I didn't have that prediction down at one point, but that's some pretty interesting stuff. All right. Uh still in the evening at 6:30 p.m. on Big Ten Network, the two and two FAU Owls at the one and two Purdue Boilermakers line boilers by 19 and a half over under 61.5. So Vegas is saying somewhere around 40 to 20. Uh tough loss, obviously, last week for Clemson. Nice to get a pretty tasty cupcake on the schedule for the Boilermakers. What are we looking at here?
1: Uh, the thing I have uh, front and center, all caps, bold is find another receiver. Uh, it's not that Charlie Jones is not great. He has 474 yards and five touchdowns. The rest of the team has 604 yards and three touchdowns. Like, and he left that game. I don't know if I don't remember how long it was, but he went down with an abdomen. I don't know if he had the net wind knocked out of him. If he gets hurt, <laughs> I don't know that Purdue's in jeopardy because they've always been able to churn out good receivers, but they are not going to be as efficient offensively. And what's interesting to me is Jeff Brum has said a couple times, we need to get more guys involved than Charlie Jones. And so I'm wondering if – now, you know, Charlie Jones and Aiden O'Connell, I don't know if you know this, they go, they go way back to, like, their peewee football days. I wonder if they <laughs> – do you think they played, like, baseball together? Do you think we could like yeah. find a picture of them on the same baseball team maybe Wait. even? Maybe that's something in week four we, we, get to, we get to learn a little bit more about. But it makes me wonder if Aiden is not looking yeah. at anybody else other than Charlie Jones. I don't know if that's a connection thing. I don't know if that's literally nobody else is getting open. I haven't looked that close into it. But I think Purdue's going to beat FAU, but they've got to work on some things on the offense. And then the, Wait, look, the other on. thing. hold on. Can I, can I, okay, one yes, more thing?
0: Ahead. Yep. It's, I mean, again, I, I almost want to show you my notes. It'd be hard for you to read <laughs> through the screen. But here's what I have I have Charlie Jones stats extrapolated out to a 12 game season. Okay. 128 catches, 1,896 yards and 20 touchdowns. That's what that's, that's what he would do if he kept up the pace. And then the next thing I have is, do I sound like a bitter Hawk fan when I say that this is starting to reflect poorly on the offensive game plan, but you, you already beat me to it to a certain degree. So I guess you kind of agree.
1: Yeah, I do. I mean, like, there's going to be better teams that they play that take that option away. Like they're going to learn this after the first couple of games. Now, the one thing I will say is in his, it's like Rondale Moore, you go back like Jeff Brom tried to get him the ball on every play. And I thought it was to a detriment yes. for Purdue. And I think that could happen. I don't know if it's going to be the same degree because I mean, he did, he ran Rondale Moore into the ground. Yes. Um, so I don't know if it's going to be the same degree of that, but I think there's a little bit where teams, especially the better defensive teams, are going to start zoning in on Charlie Jones and say, you got other receivers? Show us who you got. And they'll, they will leave some of those guys open or single coverage and then just focus all their attention on Charlie Jones. Then where does Purdue turn? So that's why I want to see something else. And then the other point I was going to make was clean up the ugly from that hellacious final two minutes against Syracuse where he had six or seven penalties in the final drive or whatever it was
0: right yeah um purdue lost a close one one in a blowout lost a close one is this another blowout? on the other side the owls won one lost one won one lost the next one so we got we got two worlds colliding here Nikosi perry is the quarterback for miami that might be a name that some college football fans remember he used to start it used to uh, start miami florida excuse me Um, so talented kid, not the most accurate. And I think he's going against a Purdue defense that is much better than a lot of people thought it was going to be, including me. I I didn't think it was going to be a bad defense by all means, but it's better than what I thought. Um, in the end, uh, not as much of a race out the door blowout here, but more of an eventual blowout here. I have Purdue 44 FAU 17 that's a Purdue cover and at 61 points that is just barely under I don't like this over under at all
1: yeah I've got Purdue 46 FAU 20 so that's a Purdue cover and at 66 it's also an over
0: all right two games left they got some we got some big ones the two and one Wisconsin Badgers at the three and oh number three ranked Ohio State Buckeyes 6.30 6 30 p.m. game on A to the B to the C line bucks by 18 over under 57. So Vegas is saying something like a 38 to 20 game, 38 to 20 game, 18 point cover. Dustin, wouldn't that kind of mean that we think Notre Dame's a lot better than Wisconsin? If we are thinking that that's how many points are going to be scored in this game and how much better. Ohio State is? Yes.
1: A little Um, odd, odd possibly? Do we think Notre Dame's that good? (laughs) We don't, but I I mean, I feel like Ohio State is, I feel more confident that they've scored 77 points on Toledo. I feel like they finally got their offense clicking, not to say that they were bad, but look, to me, this is a game where I think we are going to find that out because I have, I think the questions we have about both teams might get answered in that game. Number one being, is, is the Ohio State defense as improved as we thought? Because I don't think Notre Dame's, um, I don't think Notre Dame's offense is doing, in Jim Mora's terms, diddly poo. Um, and then the other question is, Graham Mertz looks a lot better, but is he really against this Ohio State defense? So I think we're going to find out some things about both teams that we had questions about coming into this season. So a very interesting matchup from that perspective. Um, I don't think Graham Mertz is great, but again, it's, it's like a lot of these quarterbacks on this list, 44 of 62, 697, six touchdowns, two interceptions. When you're at Wisconsin, you can run the football that that'll win you a lot. Of, that'll get you back into, into Indianapolis.
0: You know, you know, you know, Wisconsin, you know, w- Wisconsin. That was my Dave Wonset impersonation right there. If you ever listen to that, I love it. Yeah, Wisconsin, Um, their physical team, right? That's the team that seems to give Ohio state a little bit of issues, you know, Uh, more, more brutish force. Okay. Now the other thing that has been giving Ohio state or Ohio state yes issues is mobile quarterbacks. That's, that's how Notre Dame moved the ball that's how Toledo moved the ball last week. We ain't got that with this quarterback. No. So that is a completely different thing. I'm looking more on the, the defensive side of things. Um, Jim Leon hard. He, he is taking this game seriously from the comments I've seen. I mean, I maybe he thinks he's auditioning for a head coach job. I don't know. Uh, but I think this is a game that they have circled to say, we want to prove to people that we're still Wisconsin. Um, it's a prideful program, I guess, is what I'm trying to make, you know, like all the things that we can say about Ohio state, they're all true. You know, they're freaking amazing. They're talented everywhere. Um, um, it's hilarious to say, but you already hit on it. I think the offense is rounding into (laughs) into form and it's not like they've looked bad uh, all year. The crazy thing that makes me nervous if I'm I'm a Wisconsin fan is these are the, the three oddly bad things right now about Wisconsin. Number 1, they're, they're committing way too many penalties. Mm. Number 2, the special teams are are borderline awful, and number 3, I'm shocking to say, this isn't a great offensive line. Like that's right. the things that are now the penalties that can get cleaned up from one week to the next. And that is a huge deal. If they don't clean up the penalties, it will kill their drives and kill their chances to win. I'm it's it's a big thing. Um don't give up a big special teams play. Don't be awful on special teams. Like those two things can be corrected and then just get me something out of Braylon Allen and, and this old line, the rushing attack, it, 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 they, they, they have split the, the carries up. All right. This yep. is one team that's doing a good job, not giving uh, agent zero Braylon Allen, all the carries. Maybe this will be the game that they just say, Braylon, go do Braylon things and he gets the lion share but that's kind of the a lot of the stuff I'm looking at
1: yeah and another thing I think that's that's interesting about this game is cJ Stroud uh eleven touchdown passes, no interceptions Wisconsin leads the big ten with eight turnovers, seven of them interceptions and seven different guys have picks so can they can they get pressure now they've forced some turnovers, but their pressure on the quarterback hasn't been what I would consider typical Wisconsin pressure. So that's going to be interesting to me. I don't know if they stand a chance against this Ohio State offensive line, but if they can get pressure, I think they've proven they can force turnovers. So that's an aspect of this game. It's not like it's going to rattle C.J. Stroud. you know, With a young quarterback, you say if you can get an early pick, maybe it rattles him or something like that. He's going to bounce back. He'll be just fine. But you've got to generate your own momentum and get yourself good field position in this game. Uh
0: I love that. I just want to build on it and say if you look at a lot of the quote unquote successful uh, defensive game plans versus Ohio State, it's been dropping a bunch, you know, dropping yeah. eight guys a lot and, and just making them matriculate it down and then and then make Ryan Day take the rushing attack. That's the thing I'm going to be looking for the most when this ticks is is is. Is Jim Leonard, and I know it's pronounced Leonard, by the way, but it's spelled Leon hard, and that's how I remember it in my head so I can actually spell it the correct way. Anyways, is he going to come at him with the Wisconsin defensive gusto, or is it going to look more like a 3-4 drop back? I I can't wait to see. All right, if you don't mind, you care if I I go? Go for it. All right. Ohio State's better. Ohio State's going to win the game. I just see a little bit better game then I feel like most podcasters and Twitter heads are saying that this is just going to be a blowout. With that being said, the second I say that out loud, I'm nervous. Ohio state blows them out, but I'm going to stick to my guns and say, this will be a, a little bit better game than people re- think it will, will be. Ohio state will pull away. So I've got Ohio state 34, Wisconsin 17 So just barely a cover by Wisconsin. And at 51 points, I actually like it quite a bit to go under the 57.
1: Just some quick facts I wanted to drop out. Paul Christ has never beaten Ohio State. The last time Wisconsin beat Ohio State, 2010. I still don't think they get the win. Very similar. I have Ohio State 38, Wisconsin 17. So that's an Ohio State cover. And at 55, that's an under.
0: Wow. Okay. So you got essentially four more points for Ohio State than I did. That's interesting. All right, that brings us to the Big Ten game of the week. As voted on by the fans, 62% saying they want this game thanks to the 751 people that voted in my poll. The 3-0 Minnesota Gophers at the 2-1 Michigan State Spartans. This is a 2.30 p.m. game on Big Ten Network. Big Ten Network. Going to get some eyeballs on this one right here. Line Gophers by three. This started... uh, uh, uh Michigan State by 2 this rocketed to Minnesota over under 51 so Vegas is saying 24 to 21 Gophers um we might find out how good three teams are <laughs> in this game Minnesota Michigan State maybe Washington as well too you know another showing yeah. out less by Washington and how close these teams play Looking at Michigan State, to, to quote the kids, they're suddenly sus.
1: Yeah, so for this one, I think the thing that interests me is, is let's just address the elephant in the room, right? What's the passing game going to look like without Chris Ottman bell um, I think Mike Brown-Stevens is probably that next guy in the wide receiver room, but I need to see more from Dalen Wright. I'd like to see a little bit more from him. I think Brevin Spanford is a good um, – is a good uh, – A good option at tight end I don't know if I if I'm going to address this properly I don't think Michigan State is bad but I think if you had to try to find a new number one wide receiver Michigan State would be one of a handful of Big Ten teams I'd want to play to try to test that out early in the season I don't know if that like Nebraska Northwestern Indiana and probably Michigan State in that category so I think that that's a favorable draw for for Minnesota um I just I'm not convinced that Michigan State's defense is as improved as I thought that they would be coming into this season, especially against the pass. Having said that, these are the type of games that Tanner Morgan has struggled in. You look back to Illinois last season, Bowling Green last season. This is where they run the ball all effectively. It comes time to, to converting through the air. Or they have fallen short, so that that adds a little level of intrigue to me to this game.
0: Yeah, I mean Slade is still iffy. We defensive tackle, we don't know if he's back. I, I Xavier Henderson, the safety, I think almost for sure he's gone. Snow is out for the year. I had said going into the Washington game that I thought maybe the injuries would would catch up to him in that game. They did, maybe even and worse than I thought. um, You know, talking about what's the mix going to be for Minnesota rushing and and throwing the ball. Um, I've been pushing to see more out of the passing attack. I think Minnesota fans are too. I mean, I listen to Ryan Burns and I know, you know, he gets a lot of feedback as well. Then I think about uh, what Kurt said is just, I just think this is who, this is who Minnesota is. You know, they've just morphed into this uh, football team that is very comfortable running the ball 60, 65, somebody sometimes 70% of the time. It doesn't mean, that they don't want to have a passing attack. It just means that I feel like they are perfectly comfortable leaning on their rushing attack a, a lot. Um, Dalen Wright and Brevin Spanford have been the two guys that Minnesota fans have been wanting to break out for. I mean, we're going on over a year now. Uh, right. you're right. This would be the game to see it with Crab, unfortunately, uh, uh, being gone. So, there's a ton of fun stuff to look at for, for this football contest.
1: And the thing that's interesting to me about this game is it seems like with Minnesota, we're almost always exclusively talking about their offense. Their defense is, has given up what, 17 points this season total. Yeah. Uh, they rank number two in the big 10 at 5.7 points per game. Um, they've been really good. Uh, the number one overall in total defense in, in yardage. So, and let's face it, last week against Washington, Michigan State could not move the ball on the ground. Peyton Thorne's numbers looked pretty good, but I think you and Kurt pointed out in the postgame, a lot of that came when the game was essentially over. I mean, they had a one last hope of breath, but that was about it. So yep. it, we talked about Michigan State's defense a lot. I think the story of this game and the reason Minnesota has a great chance to win is because their defense, I think they can shut down Michigan State's run and then Force uh, forced Peyton Thorne to beat you, and so far through the first three games, he hasn't proven he can do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, Peyton Ramsey, or Peyton Thorne, excuse me, uh, he, he looked better last week than I think maybe I, Kurt and I gave him credit for on my second rewatch of, of the game. Um, he looked, in fact, he looked about as good as you could expect with how much they struggled rushing the ball, which blew my mind. I thought that for sure was going to be what Michigan state was going to hang her hat on playing Washington. Um Here's here, like some of the interesting stuff that I think to point out is, is off the field stuff, which is Michigan state fans. Melt, they have melted down since, since the, yeah. uh, that loss. Like I think they've took it too seriously. To, and I know and, and who, who am I to question anybody's fandom goofy things happen when you go out West like that for those night games. I yeah. don't know what it is, man. Atmospheric pressure, the moon's gravity being different over there than it is here. I ain't got a clue what it is, but it's goofy. Now you are, you are, you're playing a game in the afternoon, in the wood, in the woodshed. Like it's, it's a completely different feel and, and, and a completely different deal. I think Michigan state will look different. Here's something to look for. Okay. They need to get the good feels back. They're a little concerned with their defense. Do they take a shot right at the beginning of the game? and get a 7 point lead on there and and get Minnesota thinking oh shit this is the first yeah. time we've been behind at all in any of these games they have they have destroyed inferior opponents get that that little you know stream of doubt in their heads early that oh crap we're not p- playing a walkover opponent i don't know that's just something to look for early in this game
1: i like that a lot because you remember last year Kenneth Walker in the first two games, I think the first two games scored on the first play, early in the game they went to that flea flicker. Is that something we see? that I never even thought about that that's a great point to try to set the tempo, set the momentum early in that game, make Minnesota play from behind. I I really like that. Um the, I don't know if I have much to add on that other than I just want to see if can, can Minnesota's offensive line keep Michigan State's defensive line and linebackers in check because they got no pressure against Michael Penix in at, at uh, in Washington. Obviously, Kalen DeBoer's a really good mind. He knows what he's doing. He gets the ball out of out of uh, the hands quick. I don't know that Tanner Morgan does the same thing. So that offensive line is going to have to hold up because if Michigan State can get pressure on him, that's where these shaky passing games have come from uh, yes. from Minnesota. So that's another interesting aspect of this game to watch. Like this is. This is such a fun game. (laughs) It's like Michigan State-Washington last week. I didn't know what to expect.
0: Yes, and I almost didn't put the game out to vote because I I selfishly wanted this to be the Big Ten game of the week, but shout out to the fans for for making the correct choice. If you're ready to go, go go ahead.
1: Give me your prediction. So I've got Minnesota 29, Michigan State 21. So that's a Minnesota cover, and at 50, it's the ever-so-slight under.
0: Man, that is hilarious. Um, yeah, uh, we're seeing the same game. So here's how crazy I'm going to be: if if Michigan State takes that early game hit and it hits, they're this game's going over and Michigan State wins. That's how important I think the start of this game I like is. It. But I don't. Th- I think they're either going to miss it or it doesn't happen in some capacity. I've got Minnesota twenty-seven, M- Michigan State twenty. Uh, so you had twenty-nine <laughs> to twenty-one, very similar there. And at forty-seven points. I actually feel pretty good about that going under the 51, maybe not as strong as I felt at the beginning of the week. I, I think this is going to be a game where both teams want to establish the run and play a clean game. I think it's going to be the approach and those games typically go under. There it is. DS got anything else to add?
1: Uh, I'm looking forward to now diving into a little bit of big 10 play. And then next week, I have had person in the big 10 play. We're almost there.
0: Yeah. I mean, as fun as it is to talk about the non-conference good matchups, you know, the not so good matchups, yeah. not so much fun. We know everything, not everything, but we know a lot about all the Big Ten teams. So now that we're getting right. into the head-to-head stuff, man, it's going to be a blast. Uh, thanks again for joining us. I am Jeffy the Greek. I'm not Big Kirk. This has been the Eyes Up Big Podcast. We will talk to you soon.